Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, freaks and geeks, worms and germs, and welcome to the Cocktail Hour. I'm your host, Tahi Rocco, a.k.a. Don Perion, a.k.a. The Doctor, a.k.a. Fish, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. a whole bunch of other names I won throughout the years. With me is no one, which is one of the reasons I'm pissed off. I have three, count them, three co-hosts, and I couldn't get in touch with any of them. I have a backup co-host for the backup, and none of them was available. Everybody's got the COVID, I guess. Either that or they didn't want to deal with my pissy ass, which I can't blame them for. Because I am fucking pissed. I'm pissed because I was tricked into watching today's shitty ass movie. But we'll get to that later. First, I have an announcement to make. This is going to be the very last episode of the Cocktail Hour. Yes, yes, I know, I know. It's heartbreaking. Only three episodes in and she's already cut down in her prime. But unfortunately, when I went to look up the show on podcast networks, I saw 50 million cocktail hours up there. There was a cocktail hour for lunch, a cocktail hour for breakfast, a cocktail hour for food, a cocktail hour for cancer, which really confused the hell out of me. There are just too many shows out there with the names. So from this moment on, starting right now, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, worms and germs, freaks and geeks, and welcome to Cinemastrophe's Cocktail Hour. I'm your host, Tahit Rocco, a.k.a. Don Perignon, a.k.a. Fish, a.k.a. The Doctor, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. a whole bunch of other names that I went through over my year. Whew! Now that's out of the way. <sighs> First thing I got to do is apologize to everybody. I got to apologize for two things, actually. First thing I got to apologize, I fucked up last week. I didn't realize there were five fucking months in October. So when I said that you only had two weeks left for the Queen County Farm Museum, located at 7350 Little Neck Parkway, Floral Park, New York, well, I was a week ahead. This week, you only have two weeks left to go visit Green County Farm Museum, where you'll find Ruben's famous East Street Coast tacos, as well as the Korean taco stand, which has a mean Pekin duck sandwich, I might ask, and a sweet corn. The other thing I'd apologize for is that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, my mouth's getting dry. Okay, but what I have to apologize for is last week, I said I was going to watch New Mutants this week and review that. Well, I tried. (laughs) Lord knows I tried, but the copy I had was so bad that I had to turn it off. Not only could I not see any of the images, but there was a stereo echo. So someone clearly went to the theater and recorded this on a 15-year-old Android phone. So then I watched another movie called 2067. Yeah, 2067, which was, eh, it was, it was all right. Wasn't great. Wasn't, wasn't bad. Just okay. You know, had a couple of forced uh, conflicts in there to get the story where they were going. But it was, it was, it kept me intrigued. But it wasn't nothing worthy of reviewing. And then my brother recommended to me the new Adam Sandler movie called Hubie Halloween. Ah, Hubie Halloween. Hubie, Hubie, Hubie. And that's the reason I'm pissed off. Because I was tricked into thinking this was a good movie. But it's not. Not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, What happened to Adam Sandler? Uh, I I mean, what, what happened to this guy? I don't know if I I, I just don't know. 
like the last couple of movies and like the last 15 years of his, of his, have been some of the most god-awful movies I've ever seen. My brother says I lost my childish humor, but I don't think that's the case. Because Happy Gilmore is still funny to me. Billy Madison is still funny to me. The Waterboy is still funny to me. I think he just forgot how to make childish humor funny. Excuse the outside noise, folks. I'm filming on location again, so that's going to happen every now and then. But anyway, I don't understand it. Because they don't seem to be getting any better. So let's get into this. This is this is, and this is why I'm pissed. This is this is why I'm pissed because I had to suffer through this movie by myself because no one cares about my suffering. So now you're gonna have to hear about my suffering, or with me here all alone. So fuck them and fuck this movie. All right, all right, I got that out of my system. Let's get into this. So Hubie Halloween is a Netflix movie because it's the only way Adam Sandler can get any employment these days other than Hotel Transylvania, and it's a Halloween-based comedy. The movie starts out at a mental institution where Ben Stiller is making fun of an inmate who is covered in his blanket from head to toe, so clearly he's not there. And doing his little shtick, he pulls off the blanket, and there's a body made up of jellos and hot dogs with writing saying bye-bye, I think, or something like that. And it was just odd, just odd. It wasn't even disturbing, just odd. It wasn't funny. It wasn't disturbing, just odd. So he announces that it didn't make escapes. We cut to Salem, Massachusetts, where we see Adam Family making one of his stupid looking faces. And right then and there, any interest I had in that movie went right out the window. Because I knew, I knew we were going to have to look at this stupid looking face for the next two hours. And yes, this movie is two fucking hours. Why does Adam feel the need to make these stupid faces? Isn't his, doesn't he think his face is funny enough? I do. And I don't mean that as an insulting way. Not that he's funny looking, but his face is fine for comedy. You don't have to make these stupid, awful looking faces that we got to suffer through for an entire fucking movie. Because they're not funny. They're just annoying. And he had a stupid looking voice too, but the voice I didn't mind, the voice I can deal with. But it's those stupid faces. To stop with the stupid ass faces. I mean, I get the voices. You want to separate your characters, make them different. Fine, change your voice. You don't have to put those stupid fucking faces on. So we see him riding his bike and he's saying hello to people. And they're giving him the cold shoulder or giving him funny looks. So right there, you know, he's the odd man out, right? Then out of nowhere, kids start throwing eggs at him. And this becomes a running gag through the entire movie with no payoff. There's no payoff to this gag. People just start keep throwing shit at him. And it starts out small, but then the objects get bigger and bigger as the movie goes along. But there's no payoff whatsoever. The whole point of a running gag is to set the audience up for payoff at the end. Yes, sometimes no payoff is the payoff. But you have to acknowledge that there's no payoff for it to be a payoff. You can't just do a running gag and then give no payoff and expect that to be funny because it's not. It's just fucking stupid. And what makes it worse is none of the objects ever hit him. 
None of them. He dodges them all the time. So I don't understand why we are watching this. It would be funny if some of them hit him. But nothing ever does. He dodges everything they throw at him. Like, does anybody know why they do things anymore? Or do they just do them because they're tropes? I'm just going to move along because I can harp on this all day. Fucking hell. So he sees his love interest still on his bike. And uh, he does a pratfall. He hits a car, does a pratfall into these robotic, you know, those life-size robotic uh, Halloween decorations. And then proceeds to do the robot in these decorations, hoping no one would notice he was there, I guess. It was just really dumb. Just, just, just dumb. Then we cut to him. We find out he's a butcher. working. He, uh, I'm sorry. He, he uh, works at the butcher shop in the grocery store. Uh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. We see Ray Liotta bullying him. Think about that for a moment. Ray Liotta is playing a bully. Not only is he playing a bully, but there's this teenage kid that he's in cahoots with to play a practical joke on Huey. Huey, on Hubie. So, first of all, I want to ask you this. Can you imagine Ray Liotta being a bully? Not being intimidating. And I'm not talking about Ray Riola now. I'm talking about, I mean, I'm not talking about Ray Riola in the past. I'm talking about Ray Riola now. Mr. What is he? 60-something-year-old Ray Riola. Bullying somebody. Not intimidating. Because he can be intimidating no matter what age he is. But actually bullying someone. It's absurd. It's absurd. So now picture this grown-ass man being bullied by Ray Liotta and a high school kid. Am I crazy into thinking this is the stupidest thing you've ever seen or heard? Or is it just me? So then we cut to Kevin James with this god-awful fake beard and wig. It's the fakest thing I've ever seen. And I wrote in my notes, I don't know if it was meant to look this way to be funny or they just did a terrible job, but either way, they failed because it did not look good and it was not funny. He's told that the uh, inmate has escaped from the institution. And since the inmate used to live in Salem, he might be coming back to his hometown. You know, the old Halloween stick. Uh... Hubie goes home. Again, the running jag are throwing stuff at him. He runs into a guy named Walter, who is his next-door neighbor, played by Steve Hashimi, who tells him that if he hears any noises, don't come and check on him. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a trope, blah, 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 but for comedy, it works, so I had no problems there. Uh, What else? We also find out that... uh, 
Cupid lives with his mother. Oh, before, yeah. And that's what I wrote. What is with Adam Sandler and excrements? I put that in my notes. What is with that man in excrements? Bodily fluids is not funny. They can be used to be funny. But shit, piss, and puke itself is not funny. Seeing the we got one puke joke, at least three or four piss jokes, two shit jokes, and none of it was funny because there was nothing funny about it being done. Showing shit isn't funny. Showing a man slipping in shit is funny. It's about context. Fuck. So we find out he lives with his mother and they have a heart-to-heart talk about Hubie standing up for himself because he's always getting bullied. It was fine. Uh, his love interest, Violet, played by Julian Brown. We find out that she has three foster kids and there's some type of festival going on in the town for Halloween. Just expedition to give background for whatever. Oh, yeah. And then we meet the most, the two most racist, ignorant, backswood ass color folk I've ever seen on television in 20 years. And no Transformers don't count because they were robots. And yes, I said color folk because that's how they were betrayed. That's how they were written. That's how they were acted. I'm talking about 1920s. Ooh, wee, I sure don't know what happened to the apple pie, Mrs. Cornfell. Type of acting. And to her shame, Jack A. was playing one of those parts. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should have said no when they asked you to do that shit. No. Shame on you. So from there, we go to one of the contrived ways for Hubie to meet uh, the, uh, the Foster kids. Which I guess he had to meet them in some way. It wasn't bad. It just, you know, a lot of flat jokes. Like if this wasn't a comedy, the way he met them would have been perfectly fine. But because this was a comedy and the jokes were all flat, I guess they weren't fine after all. But for the most part, they were okay. There's no complaints other than flat jokes. And during one of these, he's talking to... The lo- he's talking to Violet, the love interest, and she tells him she saw the grave, a gravestone next to her grandfather's with the name with Walter's name on it, and it was something weird about it. So Hubie goes and investigates, and we have some more unfunny slapstick with that. Uh, see. Meanwhile, the oldest of the foster kids get invited to a party by a girl because. I'm only mentioning this because it plays a role later. Oh, I got my first actual laugh in the movie. It was it was funny. I'll give him that. And it was probably Adam Sandler who wrote it. I'm actually I'm sure it's wrote it because it was really childish. <laughs> and it did give me a laugh. So the real Adam Sandler's still in there somewhere, just buried under that zombie soul that's possessing his body now. But it was a bit with the radio. He calls into a radio station, and he's too close to the radio, so you hear he hears himself echoing on the radio. 
<laughs> and it's echoing on the radio through the phone. So that was pretty funny. Even though I know that what can never really happen because when you call in a radio station, I have as I have done many times in my years, they record the audio and then play it after the next song. But still, it was it, it was still a funny joke. So I, I, they, that was a plus. That that was the first of not too many times I actually laughed. So let's see. So yeah, it's Halloween, and then it's trick or treaters are out. So Hubie goes to do his safety patrol around a neighborhood when. <laughs> When Tim, he's approached by Tim Meadows wearing the stupidest toupee I have ever seen in my life. And that got me the second laugh. That was the second laugh I got at the movie. This toupee was so fucking ridiculous. I literally paused it, took a picture, sent it to my brother and said, okay, this movie made me laugh twice. What the fuck is on his head? He was completely shaved bald and then had this toupee with this straight hair that curled toward the ends, but it was too small for his head. So it only covered half his head. So it looked like a weird fucking bowl cut. And I literally laughed over that for at least three minutes i just couldn't stop laughing i kept looking at it and i just was dying it was so fucking funny so funny so that that one got me (laughs) that was funny i i don't know who thought of that but that was fucking hilarious because that looked fucking ridiculous on his head you think you think donald trump's uh toupees look bad (laughs) you see this shit (laughs) his look like miracle work it literally looked like he got up in the morning, just slapped a toupee on his head and said, yeah, I'm good. Walked out the door. It was so bad. Anyway, he tells me he hears noises from Walter's house and, and Hubie better go check it out just to get rid of him. And Hubie runs off and checks it out. And um, he sees Walter, who appears to be changing into a werewolf, and then leaps out his house and runs away. So, yeah, way to go, Hubie. Nice one. I forgot to mention, yeah, he saw him earlier and asked him about the grave, and he was boarding up his house. I forgot to mention that part. But anyway, yeah, so then Hubie just goes to a party. No shit. He just goes to a party. He just goes to patrol to make sure everyone is on an up and up at a party, at at the the big Halloween party for the high school kids. And that's where he meets the oldest foster son because they try to take the teen bully wants to play a practical joke on him and sends him in the cornfield and then the oldest the foster son goes in with this girl with the girl that he likes and tells him that it's all a prank and da 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 but then the teen bully gets kidnapped in front of Hubie's face and he goes and tells Kevin James who doesn't believe him we also have to suffer through that obnoxious racist couple again yay I'm skimming here because a lot of this is just not that interesting. It drags. Uh, Tim Meadows and his wife uh, play a joke on Hubie and then get kidnapped at some point. He runs into Walter, who's eating eating a uh, pumpkin, and hairs his hands are all hairy and howling at the moon. And he runs, and then Hubie just lets him runs off, and. 
What happened after that? There was some misdirection with the kids, all being out at night alone, but they turned up safe, so that was a waste of our fucking time. Uh, He runs into a dog, who he thinks is now Walter, chases him into a haunted house where Ravy Leota decides to try and scare him, and then Ravy Leota gets kidnapped. And at this point, everyone's starting to catch on. Kevin James thinks it's the escapee, and Hubie says that it's Walter. But then he calls his deputy to go look for him, and both the escapee and Walter has been with the deputy played by, oh, played by Keen Thompson, who I give praise to for saying no to acting like a clown. He played this role straight up, and he was brilliant in it. Because you know they walked up to him and asked him to, and he said no. So kudos to him. Thumbs up. Anyway, he says that those two have been with him the entire time because apparently Walter is an escapee from the institution who was the escapee's roommate, left before the escapee, so the escapee left to go convince him to come back to the insane asylum. So that was a different twist. So now they all suspect Hubie because all the people who disappeared were about to bully him, and he runs away to the radio station. I don't know why. Maybe there was a trigger for that. I don't remember. I kind of checked out at a certain point. But anyway, he goes to the radio station. And I'm not going to tell you this. Because you might want to see this one for yourself. But the joke with the radio DJ is fucking hilarious. And completely unexpected. It seriously caught me off guard. Of course, being an Adam Sandler movie, they took it too far and it went too long. But the first two or three minutes is actually really fucking funny. It, I, I, I'll leave that as a surprise. Give y'all something to look forward to. Give you something, some, some type of gold in this pile of shit to hold on to. You know, make it worth your trouble. Come away with something. So the radio DJ tells him that someone always calls in and dedicates a song to Hubie, saying he's his their special little Hubie or something. Some, some, some cutesy thing. I forgot what it was exactly. And they use call ID to trace the number, but it's a burner phone. Oh, I'm sorry. So he calls Kevin James and tells him this. Why Kevin James believed him about this immediately, I don't know. But whatever. I'll go with the flow as long as it keeps going. And... Because the number was, because it was a burner phone, Kevin James says to Adam Sandler, it has to be someone who's always nice to you. And the first person he thinks of is Violet, who also happens to be Kevin James' ex-wife for four years. So they have that dynamic going on. Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention this earlier when I first mentioned you love this. I am so tired. Of that stupid ass cliche of the lead not being able to talk to the love interest throughout the entire fucking movie. It's awful. It's not funny. It's just dumb. Having the lead freak out before talking to the love interest is funny, but no one wants to sit and listen to this babbling dribble of awkwardness trying to the lead trying to talk to the fucking love interest. The only time that works is in an awkward moment. And no, 
this babbling, idiotic dialogue does not make it awkward. It just makes it weird and stupid. I swear, when I make a movie, I swear I will not have this stupid-ass tired cliche in the movie. Fucking hell. It's, uh, it's fucking irritating, my God. That we're still doing the same stupid shit and expecting people to laugh at it. Comedy evolves. Evolve with it. Fuck. Christ, give me strength. So obviously it's not her. I mean, why would it be? She's the love interest. They're not going to do a real twist. (laughs) It's an Adam Sandler movie. And, you know, even though we all know it's not her, they still got to go through the whole putting a wire on him and going undercover to try and get her to confess. Instead, they confess their love for each other because how else are they going to do it? And, you know, the same cliche of Kevin James overhearing it and her badmouth him throughout the entire conversation, them confessing their love and blah, 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 that shit. <sighs> so during this, of course, Hubie fucks it up. So they decide to call the, make the phone, they decide to call the burner phone to see if it rings in her pocket. And... I give credit again to Keenan Thompson. He continued to play this straight up. Soon as he soon as UB fucked it up, he said, No, I got it, I got it. Just picked up the phone and started dialing. Kudos to him. He refused to degrade himself. So someone picks up the phone and they trace it and it's at QB's house. Because it's his mother. We all know it's his mother at this point, because if you didn't figure it out beforehand, you definitely figured it out by the time he got to the radio station. So this is clearly for the character's sake. And Hubie gets there and he sees everybody tied up and about to be burnt at the stake by his mother because it's Salem. And his mother was part, his, his, one of his relatives was part of the witch trials. And I don't know why they had to tie that in because it was fine without him. They are in Salem, but whatever. So, okay. This would be the fourth or fifth laugh I got out of this movie, depending on how you look at it. Because I didn't write it in my notes. Because what happened was, you know how you hear a joke? And this usually happens in visual media. You're sitting there, you're watching it, and and they say a joke. And you hear it, and you know it's funny. It's funny to you. You understand it, you get it, but you don't laugh. Because at the time, there's probably too much going on for you to soak in to laugh. And then sometime later, it's a couple of hours, sometimes a couple of days, all of a sudden that scene pops in your head and you hear the joke again. And then you just start out with a chuckle and then continue on laughing. That's what happened with this joke. So I I didn't laugh at it right away, but it took like like hours later, it popped in my head and I laughed. So it, it was either the fourth laugh I got out of this movie, or if you want to look at it because I laughed later, the fifth laugh. But it was actually pretty funny. She's His mother is sitting there. Throwing gasoline on the wood underneath these people about to set them on fire. <laughs> she's, and she's telling him how he didn't he wouldn't stand up for himself, so she had to do it for him. And he literally says, I would I would have preferred some 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 pepper in their sleeping bags, but this is a little extreme. 
I didn't laugh at that joke until like several hours later, and I just started cracking up. So that was actually pretty funny. But no, she continues to go on and try to set them on fire, so he throws soup on the, on the match. And these fucking people, after he just saved their life, continue to berate him. And I wrote in my, mo- in my notes, how much longer is this fucking movie? Because that should have been the wrap-up right there. But no, they had to stretch it out even more. And we had to listen to the moral. Instead of it being shown, which would have been Hubie saves their life, and then they're all grateful and have a change of heart. No. Crazy mother has to lecture them. And I think, it, well, I didn't time it, but I think it went on for a good 10 minutes. I think. I didn't time it. I was just wanted the movie to end. So then they changed their ways. Then they changed their ways, and they start admitting what they dislike about themselves, that Hubie does better or whatever. And then the mother escapes by tricking them, looking the other way. You know, the whole stupid, loose behind you gag. And then we cut to two years later at the happy ending. And I don't understand why, but this was the funniest part of the movie to me. <laughs> this entire, the entire happy ending, I laughed the entire time. I don't know if it was meant to be funny. But it was. <laughs> and the movie, went, the movie ended. And I was grateful that it ended. Because this was fucking horrible. It wasn't Ridiculous 6 horrible, but it was still fucking horrible. If I was a recently subscribed Netflix, uh, Netflix subscriber, using the free trial, I would cancel my... And this was the first movie I saw. I would cancel my membership right away. Because this movie was fucking awful. There was another part in the movie where they did something. I don't remember what it was. And it fell flat because there was three things that should have took place. And I don't remember what they were, but they gave us none of them. And I wanted to make a note of it, but I forgot. But it was just it was just bad. This movie was just awful. Flat jokes. The slapstick wasn't even funny. That stupid running gag where he got hit by nothing and there was no payoff. A comedy that's supposed to make you laugh throughout two hours made me laugh four or five times. Four times and the last time several hours later. So I guess they got five things right. But Jesus fucking Christ, man. I mean, Jesus. Just what the hell, man. Fucking. Oh. Just awful. Just fucking awful. God. So that was my weekend. (laughs) Final thoughts? But what do you think? I mean, if you want to see it, go ahead and you want to see that one funny joke with DJ and just just to see how terrible this movie is. Knock yourself out. If you got Netflix, you're already paying for it. 
but Jesus Christ. I still don't know how to, <laughs> I still don't know how to sum this up. It was awful. It was just fucking awful. It's fucking awful. Don't have another subject to talk about. My chair is creaking. I don't have another subject to talk about because that's usually what the co-host does. So I'm unprepared. And uh, I guess we'll just go straight into the news, right? All right. What we got in the news today? Well, there's a Nigerian thing going on. Apparently, uh, some Nigerians were killed, were shot by police over in a, <clears throat> during a protest. This is from CNN. President calls for calm after protesters shot during Nigerian demonstration. The Nigerian president, whose name I can't pronounce, I can pronounce Mohammed. The other one, I, Mohammed. Nah, I can't pronounce this. Has appealed for calm and understanding at the protesters against police brutality in Lagos turned bloody on Tuesday and Wednesday, with eyewitnesses in Amnesty International telling CNN that multiple dozens have been shot dead at Leaky Tollgate and another site by army soldiers who took the bodies away. Yeah, well, listen, we have it bad over here, and our government cares about saving face. So, y'all gotta be extra careful if y'all are over there, because your government don't give a shit about saving face. They just hide the bodies. Uh, State this time by a special advisor. The president did not mention the attack at Leaky Gate or any of the deaths reported by uh, Amnesty. Nigerians have called for the president to address the nation directly about the attacks that rocked the country on Tuesday and Wednesday. Former president made a statement that uh, he needs to restrain the military and other security agency, the the current president. Uh, Goes on and on. Uh, there's a quote from a, somebody. I don't know who it is. Police are shooting people that are not armed. <laughs> Welcome to the club, buddy. Though some of them have had bottles and stones, but police are using very sophisticated weapons on them. <laughs> you think? <laughs> we don't even have bottles and stones. Uh, Human Rights Amnesty International said that after ongoing investigation, they found that 12 people were killed during a protest in two locations in Lagos on City on Tuesday. Well, police are fucked up everywhere. I have nothing to say about that except be careful because, yeah, 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 I hate to say it, but we have it better when it comes to our protesters than you guys do. They'll shoot y'all and don't give a fuck. They'll shoot us and try to at least save face. That gives us a little leeway to fight back. What else is in the news? Well, apparently there's this thing going about that mouthwash can help reduce the COVID, the COVID virus. But uh, yeah, people are taking this all out of context. So here's, here, here's some of the facts. First of all, you have to know that the study of the solution is on more of the common types of the coronavirus, not the severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, which is the one that's going around killing everybody. They may have similar structures, but not necessarily the exact same in all regards. In some ways, comparing the the coronavirus 2 with other coronaviruses can be like comparing a cheese rolling team with a football team. So, yeah, there are big differences in the two. The second thing about this is there have been no human testings. These were all done in a lab in a Petri dish. 
which is not the same as a person's mouth. A person's mouth has crevices and, and, and little gaps that mouthwash can't get into sometimes. So there's that. There's also the fact that COVID doesn't just reside in your mouth, which is why they tell you to cover your nose as well. And not to sneeze on anybody or wipe your boogery hands on someone's back. So, yeah, this is just a few of the things. So before you go out buying all our mouthwash out there, I think you better start doing some research and take a look at a few things. And stop going by what you see on Twitter without doing research afterwards. Jesus Christ, you fucking millennials. Get half a story and run away with it. Fuck. What else we got in the news? Since we're on COVID, I'm not going to read this whole article, but studies point to a big drop in COVID-19 death rates. I'll just read this part here. Uh, The studies, which was a single health system, finds that the mortality rate has dropped among hospitalized patients by 18% since the point on the beginning, uh, since the point, 18 percentage points since the pandemic began. It's written strangely. Patients in the study had a 25.6% chance of dying at the start of the pandemic, now only have a 7.6% chance, 6% chance of dying. So there's that good news. I'm not going to go. That's a big improvement. I'm not going to go through this whole article. You can read it yourselves at uh, NPR.org, NPR.org, the coronavirus study. What else we got? Ooh, here's a good one. A sheriff's sergeant is questioning the rescue zone's National Park hiker story. Says there is no way she could have survived for two weeks off water or for river water. Yeah, you get to you fuck your shit off like that if you're not boiling it. Holly Quarter was found in Zion National Park in Utah on Sunday, nearly two weeks after she disappeared on a day's hike. Sergeant Daryl Cashin, who helped in the search and rescue efforts, now says he questions the the court story and points out discrepancies. For example, Cor's daughter told her that the mouth, her mother hit her head on the hike and became so dehydrated that she couldn't open her mouth. Cashin says he doubts this, adding that the park official said she was able to leave the park largely unassisted. Okay. <laughs> he also questions how she was able to survive nearly two weeks alone without food and little water, as her family said. Little water. I'm starting to sound fucking Boston. Little water. Little water, as her, as her family said. They go on how they question that their family story. She was found. She's 30, 38 year old from California, was found on Sunday, about a half a mile from the parking lot where she began what was supposed to be a day's hike in Utah's park. Discrepancy had a water support and her water source saying that she couldn't survive off of river water. Oh, her daughter said that her mother hit her head early on in a hike and then decided to stay close on the river. I think it was her best shot at survival. Chambers did not say whether Cartora drank from the river, and CNN was not clear from the interview whether water was portable. Um, Cashin says that she was drinking from the water, unless she had some high immune system, she would have been very, very ill and probably be able to come out on her own. So there's a lot of discrepancies in this woman's story. And they're continuing to investigate to find out if she was really lost, or this is just some bullshit that she was making up to get attention. I'm not saying it's bullshit. I'm saying that's what they're trying to figure out. And for celebrities' deaths, there have been no celebrity death this week. So we leave off with a bit of good news. Yeah, I'm sorry this episode is short, but 
what can I do? I have no co-host to put in another subject, and I have nothing really to talk about. Other than that shitty-ass movie I just watched, and I think that was enough. So, I think I'm going to end it here. Next week, maybe Sonic the Hedgehog? At least that I can get a good copy of. Yeah. You know what? Next week, Sonic the Hedgehog. You can follow me on Twitter at DonPerion77. You can follow my regular show on YouTube. Just type in Cinemastery, C-I-N-E-M-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. On Don Perignon, it should pop up. Or you can just go to cinemastrophy.com and look all of my stuff there. I'm also on Twitch under Don Perignon. Occasionally I go on there and play some games. And you can find me on Instagram under Don Perignon77. <laughs> just put in Don Perignon77 on all the things. You should be able to find me. Good night, everybody.